Good morning, everybody. What a bright, uplifting service we've had, haven't we? It's been lovely, absolutely lovely. I've been given um, Philippians 3, 1 to 11, and it's continuing our series that we've been looking at in the book of Philippians. And as you can see, it's, it's quite a difficult chapter. And um, what, what I love is the, um, in the NIV, it doesn't actually say further, it says, finally, finally. And then St. Paul goes on for two or three chapters. We, we had a saying about this um, when, when we taught preaching to people, and uh, we used to call it hovering like a helicopter. And um, that, that is when you've got somebody who's preaching, and they preach a lovely sermon, and then they don't quite know how to end it. And so they say, well, well finally, and finally, and finally, and, and I would think, oh, here comes the helicopter, you know, please end. And uh, this is what St. Paul is doing. And far be it from me to criticize St. Paul. Um, but he says, finally, and then goes on for two or three chapters. Um, but he does say, I'm going to repeat myself. And there's nothing wrong with repeating myself. You need to hear these things. And the lovely thing that he repeats, which he does all the way through Philippians, is rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And I love this because um, I, I must say, I, as I say, it's been very uplifting today, but when sometimes we get those songs, particularly new ones, what's that one about? On that day when my time is ending, when the end draws near, I'm thinking, no, Lord, give me another week. <laughs> give me another month. I don't, you know, I understand it, but I, I don't want to be dragged down. I want to be lifted up by my faith. And my experience of the Christian faith is it always does that. The end result of everything we do is joy, always. There was an old Victorian spiritual director called Baron Hugel von Rad. And, and uh, he used to write great tomes on spiritual direction during the Victorian times. And at the end uh, of one of his books, which I have plowed my way through, he said, but brothers and sisters, the end result of your faith is joy. And that's always been my experience of going deeper into God. You become very joyful. You become very happy. Uh, you become very released from all the burdens that you carry. And that is the spirit of God working in you, the fruit, the fruit of the flesh. So Baron von Rad, uh, the end result of doing everything, uh, all that we do, we should be filled with joy. There's a saying, isn't there? Blessed are those who can laugh at themselves. They shall never cease to be entertained. <laughs> and, and it's true. But then Paul goes on. Paul goes on um, uh, something that he says quite often all the way through the scriptures to knock spiritual pride. If you want to lose your joy, if you want to lose um, what God has given you, then become proud. And uh, we, we don't see it like St. Paul, you know, with saying I'm circumcised and so on. But we do hear it in, in churches. We do much better miracles than you in our church or <laughs> our 
preachers, well, no comparison. You know, and, and there, there is a terrible, a terrible pride, if we're not careful, that can creep into our spirituality. And Paul is looking back on his um, spirituality and he says, watch out for those dogs. What a thing for a Jew to say about the people that he's grown up with. Watch out for those dogs. You know, the dog was what the Jews called the Gentiles. And here's a Jew calling the Jews dogs. What a, he's angry. What he's saying here, why? Watch out for those dogs, those evil people, those mutilators of the flesh, those who circumcise everything, his whole roots, his whole background. He's knocking here and calling people dogs. And then he goes on in verse three, and he says, I'm saying this, I'm saying this because we are the true circumcision. Because circumcision, he's learned, is of the heart. It's of the mind. It's of the spirit. It's not of the flesh. Those outward things uh, no, don't necessarily mean something has happened inside of you. And they're just acts that people are going uh, through. And he says, we are the true circumcision of the heart. And the inner meaning of this is only realized through our genuine spiritual worship. We glory in Jesus, not in things that we have done in ourselves. And uh, I, I love this. Uh, God is always saying this. Let your faith be shown by your works, not your, not your works trying to show how faithful you are. We, we glory um, in Christ. And then Paul goes on to give a litany of how he could be proud uh, in his faith. Verses four, five, and six. He said, if anybody um, has the right to be confident in the flesh, if anybody has the right to be proud about his spirituality, I have. And he's showing off because he's making a point. He said, I was circumcised on the eighth day. This was the commandment that was given to Abraham, to all Jewish children. They, they needed to be circumcised on the eighth day. It was command to Abraham. And, um, and he said, he's saying, I'm, I'm a real Jew. I'm not a convert. I'm not a proselyte. I'm a proper Jew. And I've gone through all the Jewish customs that we should be going through. And then he says, I'm from the tribe of Benjamin. Benjamin was the very special tribe in, in the whole of, of Israel. Israel showed that he had purity, but Benjamin, Benjamin was the tribe that went out into battle and, and the, the people would say, before us, Benjamin, you go first. It was a small tribe. Maybe that's why. <laughs> but it was, it was Benjamin who were the, the special tribe. And Paul was saying, I have the right to be proud. Not only am I an Israelite, I'm a Benjaminite as well. And if you look in the Bible, you'll find that the first king of Israel was a Benjamite. You know who that was, of course? King Saul. And what was Paul's name? Saul. He was named after that first king of Israel, that Benjamite who came to the throne. 
and God changed his name later on. And he said, I'm a Hebrew of the Hebrews. This is why, this is because there were, there were Jewish people all over the known world in those days. They were in Rome, they were in Asia, they were in Egypt, they were all over the place. But he says, I am a Hebrew of the Hebrews. I have grown up speaking Hebrew from a Hebrew family. I'm not speaking Greek. I'm not speaking Egyptian. I'm not from another country. I am a, you know, I'm, I'm the, the real thing here. I'm a Hebrew of the Hebrews. And then the coup de grace. And I'm a Pharisee. It may surprise you to know that there were apparently only about 6,000 Pharisees in the whole of uh, the ancient world. So they really were the elite of the elite. We know they caused a lot of problems uh, <laughs> for Jesus in, in the New Testament. But they were the spiritual athletes, if you like, of Judaism. They were the people that really took it to the limit. They had the threads and the tassels on their cloaks and they had their phylactery on their heart. They did all the right things on the Sabbath. They did absolutely everything correct. And St. Paul was one of those. And do you know what the word Pharisee means? It means the separated ones. The separated ones. The special ones of God. This is St. Paul's wonderful, wonderful heritage. And do you know what? We've, we've gained a lot from it. We've gained so much in the Bible. Read the book of Hebrews. Read other things. And you see that Jewishness coming through and yet St Paul says an absolutely amazing thing in verse 7 he says but whatever was to my profit I now consider loss in verse 8 I consider them rubbish what all of that Pharisee of the Pharisees a Hebrew of the Hebrews born to Israel a Benjamite the same name as the king, and he uses a Greek word which is skabala. It actually, skabala means, dare I say it, animal excrement. That's what it means, or dung, as we might say today. He said, I consider all of this dung. How can you throw away that kind of heritage? How can you give up on everything you've had? Reminds me of when I gave up civil engineering. It's not quite the same thing. <laughs> but if you go in my loft today, <laughs> Sandra's always telling me off, there's a pile of files with hieroglyphics in them because it's engineering speak. I can't understand a word of them. But I couldn't let it go. Still haven't let it go. It's still there. And yet St. Paul says, I'm letting my whole heritage go. It's dung. It's excrement compared to what I have found. And he says, it's compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ, my Lord. What a shock to the system. And if you remember back to Paul's conversion, where he was uh, going along 
the road and, and the great light appeared before him and he was persecuting the church. His zeal was so great. And suddenly this great light came from heaven and he heard the voice, Paul, Paul, or Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he was blinded, blinded for three days. The same as the three days in the tomb or the three days in the belly of the well. It was a transforming experience that would changed him, but also changed the world because of the enormity of what was happening. That all this background became excrement. And in those three days, he discovered the greatness, the all-surpassing greatness of knowing Christ. And dear Ananias was told to go and lay hands on him. Do you remember the story in the book of Acts? And he said, no chance. <laughs> no chance. That man kills Christians. And we read, um, we read, this is the man who is my chosen instrument, Acts 9.15. This man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and the people of Israel. Chosen by God. And he laid hands and it was like scowls falling off of his eyes. And from being a Hebrew of the Hebrews, a Jew of the Jew, a Pharisee, all those things, he suddenly saw what rubbish it was compared to the righteousness that comes by Christ. Because the righteousness of Judaism was all to do with what you do. It wasn't circumcision of the heart. It was physical. It was what you did. And Paul, Saul, had to learn that this was it. It's very interesting, verse 8, where it says, the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ my Lord. How can you surpass greatness? <laughs> I mean, it's either great or it's not, you know. Great is great. How can you have surpassing greatness? Well, it's interesting. I was going to go into Greek again because the word is hyperbalo, and it's what we get hyperbole from. And, and Paul is using a hyperbole. Sorry for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, but a hyperbole is things like, I got tons of work this week. No, you haven't. You've got a little bit extra, but you haven't got tons of work. I told you a million times not to do it. No, you haven't. You only told me twice, and I ignored it. And, and we use hyperbole all the time. I've just used it. We use it. No, we don't use it all the time. <laughs> but, but, but that's hyperbole. And, and that is what St. Paul is saying. He cannot express the greatness of what he's found compared to what he's thrown away. And so he uses this mad, magnificent hyperbole, the surpassing greatness. It's greater than greatness. It's not possible, Paul. But he's making that point, just as we do. A man like us, trying to express something that is inexpressible. And he says, you know, this is a righteousness, not from the law, but it's from faith in Christ. It's from what Christ does within us.
and the power of the resurrection at work in you and I to change us, to see the greatness of all that we inherit in Christ. And so I will conclude, finally. If you see me hovering like a helicopter, you know I'm not, but I will. The sermon title I was given was Losing the World and Gaining Christ. This terrific shock, spiritual shock to the system that still reverberates up to this present day was because Christ was there in the light with Paul and he's there with us in the same way to change us. I remember my, you've heard my story probably many, many times, but that's a hyperbole too. <laughs> Being on my knees in my bedroom as a 22-year-old, having just been to church, and, and, and saying, you know, God, if you're there, I, I don't know how to pray. I, I, I don't know what prayer is, but, but if you really are there, I know I've done wrong things, but show yourself to me. I, you know, I want to know. And I was overwhelmed. This is about three, it was three days after church. I was overwhelmed by a feeling of massive love that surrounded me and lifted me up and changed my mind forever. And Christ is still doing these things within us. And it's not that your background is rubbish. I, I have found that God has used every little bit of my background. I'll tell you, if you run a church, you need to be an engineer. You really do. The roof's always falling off. The floor always needs flattening. Doors need banging through, you know. There's always something to do. I always put into action everything that I'd learned as an engineer. And so it was with Paul. We've got his writings, fabulous, fabulous insight into the Bible because of his Judaism. God didn't throw that away. And yet the surpassing greatness of Christ is greater than anything. He may have lost his family, his way of life, his world, but he gained so much more. So I want you to hold on to that. What Christ has done within you, he will continue to do. And the more you see of him, the more you realize the surpassing greatness of God. Amen. Let's pray.